Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us, and hope you can stick with us for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you and localize it as best as we possibly can. It's a Friday. There's still football in the air in some markets. We're going to talk a lot of football uh, here today. Uh, here's the guest list, and it's um, I think it's going to be a pretty good show if we can if it's up to Trent and I. If we can do our part, I think we can pull off uh, this next couple of hours. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Every Friday, we take a last look, whether it's football season or basketball season, with Tom and Dylan Montz, respectively, the teams that they follow. Last look at the Hawks as they get set for, we'll get to this in a second, Trent, but I believe that a lot of Hawkeye fans feel that it's must-win territory in game number four in the Big Ten. But Tom Kakert will recap last night's Purdue loss, preview Nebraska with Tom. Dylan Montz slides in. Monster game. Hilton Coliseum. Four o'clock tip. ESPN2 has the TV. 100.3 the bus has the radio uh, of that one. They host the Kansas Jayhawks, the one-loss Kansas Jayhawks. Arizona State, right? Picked them off. Yes, they yeah. did. That was uh, their one loss. Uh, Kansas uh, beat Oklahoma on Wednesday night, and uh, they make their way up to Ames for that one. So Dylan will slide on in here. We will preview that. Then we'll get to the wild cards about 1040. Uh, if you've never heard this guy, we're real fortunate, I think, to have Frank Schwab from YahooSports.com. He's a terrific NFL writer. Uh, he is their, what would you call him? His Lead columnist? One of them. Yeah. yeah, lead columnist. The shutdown corner is where you can find him. Frank Schwab's covered the NFL for a long time. Frank, Trent, and I will take a peek at the wild card games coming up at 1040. At 1115, boy, I wish Minnesota Vikings were playing here on 1460 this weekend, but they're not. But that doesn't stop the voice of the Vikings from joining Trent and I, Paul Allen who is a regular guest on the program, uh, certainly throughout the regular season and sporadically. What do we get, PA? A couple of times a month in the off season. Yeah, fair about to say. that. Uh, certainly a lot uh, going up to the draft. PA will be at the Combine. He's brought to us by our friends at MrExecutive.com. Mr. Executive Leon Emmons making it possible for PA to appear in the market. He will join us about 11.15. We'll recap the Viking season. I looked, Trent. Uh, Paul saw in person... Every one of the six seeds, with the exception of the four-seed Dallas Cowboys, they played New Orleans, lost. Yes. They played the Rams out there, lost. Great game. It was a really good game. That was um, Anthony Barr got exposed in that game yes. a couple of times. Remember, not Cooper his Cup. Cooper Cup, indeed. You he saw no the game. He's no longer there. He's no longer there. He's on the IR, and they're, they're going to miss him. He's a good player. Uh, but they saw the Bears, obviously, twice. Did not see the Cowboys beat the Seahawks. Uh, Eagles, they got them. They beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think it was their best win of the year. I think so, too. Yeah, right? 23-21. Yes. Little revenge factor there. And then, uh, who the hell's the sixth seed? Oh, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. The five seed is who? The five, Seattle. 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 Yeah, you had them. I, I did have them. You're second guessing yourself. I am. Well, you know what it is? It's uh, it's that old age thing. It's 60, yeah. right? I'm going to I'm gonna fall on that a couple of times, just to let you know. Okay. I, I'm going to blame right. that a few times. Um, so that's uh, Paul Allen. Nick Athen will be here. We want to slide Nick in here for, for 
the main reason the Chiefs moved the needle here in central Iowa. And uh, what does Nick think? Who will he be rooting for as a Chiefs fan? You can follow him on Twitter at Chiefs Insider. You can read him at ChiefsBlitz.com. Who does Nick think the best matchup would be for the number one seed Kansas City Chiefs? And then one of my favorite uh, segments from when I was here in the past is going to be brought back starting today, and that's the Claxton's Barbecue Giveaway. It's incredibly popular, Trent. The phones will ring off the hook. We take four callers, and this is right now. This is like 11.45. Yep. We'll take four callers. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity now. I'm going to let you know the games that you're going to use uh, in order to award the prizes, and there are two prizes given out every single week. The winner will get a $35 gift certificate to Claxons. The runner-up will get $25 gift certificate for Claxons. We'll use the four wild card games. Uh, the point spread will be involved, so take a look at the point spreads. Um, we'll ask you to pick the game against the spread. And then the tiebreaker is always a closest without going over. And I think what we'll do, Trent, um, is we will use total points that the Hawkeyes... Not the Hawkeyes and the Huskers. All right. The Hawkeyes will score how many points? The Cyclones will score how many points? So Iowa State's got Kansas. They do. Iowa's got Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Both at home. Right. Both teams. One of must win game. Will be underdogs? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think. I th- they don't post the basketball numbers until the day before, I don't right. think. We so you might see lucky. the Iowa State number right now. Or later on this morning. Probably later this morning. You won't see the Nebraska-Iowa game. Um, that'll be a tight number, I would think. Now, Kem Pomeroy normally is very close. His numbers to, to what the spread turns out what to be. What would he have? Iowa, a two-point home dog to Nebraska. Right. And for Iowa State... They're getting how many? They are favored by a point at Ken Palm. Hmm. Whoa! Well, we'll see if his uh, numbers are yeah. accurate when they post them on the board. Here's the difference. Ken Palm doesn't take action on him. That's right. In Vegas, they put that number up on the board and have at it, folks. Um, so we'll do that at about uh, 11.45 this morning. Again, the tiebreaker closes without going over. Iowa and Iowa State, not their opponents, just them, will combine to score how many points uh, this weekend. All right, Trent, let's get the bat out of the way. And that was certainly what was on display last night at Mackey Arena. I thought Purdue would win the basketball game. I did not think I would get embarrassed. And that's kind of how the, uh, the game turned out. I know you were very critical and you always are. This is one of those hills that you will die on. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the fact that, uh, McCaffrey fouls out his own guys is how you describe it. And I think that's pretty accurate. Tyler Cook gets a couple of fouls off to the bench. He goes. Uh, he didn't, uh, incur another foul. I don't think in the game. He Right? I don't think he filed uh, in the second half. Nope, but did you get him for 38 minutes? No. No. You got him for 33 because he was on the bench at the end of the first half. And that's... Could you have used him? In the... Yes. Instead of playing Riley Till. And Riley Till has been a surprise. Mm-hmm. Riley Till, guy can play. Yeah, he's... but Tyler Cook's better. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not a center. He's not a center. Excellent point. He's not a center against harms. Right. More important. Who's coming off the bench. And you know what? I want to say this right off the bat because, mm-hmm. and I think you were in the same boat as I was yesterday, that we weren't real high on this Purdue team. Nope. You know what we've said, what we saw early in the, in the year when you might have come across them watching a little basketball. You kind of thinking, you know what? If you can shut down Edwards, which is easier said than done. And you know, we both said, look, if, if Iowa can hold Edwards to 20 points or there, they got a chance. Got a chance. They held him at 21. They got beat by 16. And, and it wasn't that close. It wasn't that close. Absolutely wasn't that close. So I think one play, Trent, as I think back on the game last night, for me, kind of summarizes the whole game. That's the end of the first half. Uh-huh. You know, with Carson Edwards. 
taking the ball the length of the floor. How much time was left when he got the ball? Five seconds, four seconds, six seconds, somewhere around there. He went through three guys, three Hawkeyes, and laid the ball in the basket. Um, where's the swag on this team? Where's Cordell? I know Cordell Pemps was out. I get yeah. that. But where's somebody to take that style of play? They missed Luca Garza last night in a big way because I think he's the guy you want leading him off this team off the bus. If it's not Pemsel, it's Garza. Where's the must? Where's the Adam Woodbury nastiness? Not necessarily poking guys in the eyes, but where's the guy that's going to you know be a little chippy out there? They don't have that guy. The only guy that currently is available on the roster is Kyle Green? McCaffrey. Well, McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, because McCaffrey and, and uh, Jacobson, yep. they kind of started that. Well, McCaffrey started that yeah. set, too, and, the, yes. and good for him. It was great. I loved every second of it. I loved Jacobson's that part of it, and I love McCaffrey's and Pemsel. But when you look at kind of the, I don't know, the, the name guys that are available again right now, Tyler Cook's not that guy. Mm-mm. I mean, he's made improvements this year. There's no doubt. He is much better as a facilitator. He had a good game yesterday. He's a good basketball player. He has improved as a basketball player, but he's not demonstrative. He's not a guy mm-hmm. that you feel like he's going to grab a guy and either you know give him a noogie or take him the other way and pat him on the bat and get him on the get him going. He's not that guy. Jordan Bohannon? No, no. Mm-mm. Isaiah Moss? No, no. It's Garza, and Garza didn't play last night. It's Pemsel, and Pemsel's not going to play anymore this year. That's, that's what's lacking on this basketball time. I truly believe that. Weisskamp got his shots, made a couple of nice ones, uh, the two from that exact same spot, those two back-to-back threes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, never, I mean, I think he made one more shot after that, maybe one. Um, the bench gave them nothing. You and I scored as many points. I mean, you and I personally, as, as McCaffrey uh, and Macy Daly yesterday, gave them absolutely nothing. The bench for Purdue was, I think, his biggest story. Mm-hmm. Boudreaux was good, losing his hair. He's going to take a beating on the road, boy. <laughs> when he goes on the road, there are student sections that are going to have... I remember the Greg Bruner. That's yes! What, that's One of the things that made me such a Greg Bruner fan that I was... Hey, I loved his. He was a will guy, not a skill guy. Mm-hmm. Give me will guys any day of the week. But the abuse that he took from student sections who would be sitting right under the basket, you know, with the fact that he's he looked a little older than he was, right? Yes. A, he was struggling with that hairline, and um, Boudreaux's the same he way. He seemed to enjoy it, though, too. Bruner loved every minute. I'm, yeah. I'm convinced of that. Yes. I'm convinced of that. But I don't know, Trent. This, this team now faces a Nebraska team that was favored in Maryland on uh, Wednesday night. I get my nights mixed I know. Up. This was such a stupid week, right? The holiday week. It really it screwed everything up. Yes. But um, Nebraska's a hungry team that's, coming, to, that, that's uh, coming off a loss on the road. They're a ranked basketball team. They probably won't be when the rankings come out. They certainly won't be if Iowa picks them off. Right. Um, but is this crazy to think that Game 4 is must-win territory for this Hawkeye team? I don't think there's any doubt that it is. When you look at what is still to come in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is very good this year. It's not like last year's Big Ten, which was dreadful. It was four teams and that was it. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska went 13-5 and five last year to make the NCAA tournament. Right, right. That's not going to be the case this no. year. It won't be the case because there's 20 as opposed to 18 games. But more importantly, the Big Ten's a lot better. But you look forward for Iowa. At the end of the year, they'll see that Nebraska team. They'll see Wisconsin, both on the road. Those are, That's the last two games of the regular season? Last two. It's mm. March 7th against the Badgers, March 10th against the Cornhuskers on the road. So how are you going to get to even 9-11? and 11. If Iowa gets to 9-11, and 11, they go to the Big Ten tournament with a realistic shot. Win your opening game, probably against a bottom team. Now, if you're the 9 seed, beat the 8, whatever it is, 
And then if you pull an upset in the quarterfinals, you know you're locked in. You lose, you're sitting on the bubble. But even to get to nine wins now, sitting at 0-3. It's asking a lot. 9-11 and 11 is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Find nine. Find nine can. realistic wins on this schedule for Iowa. Yeah, and, and you want to find ten to at least be able to... Right. You know, to to sleep at night. I don't know if you can, Trent. This is they're up against it. They really seem like they're up against it. And again, you're not getting an Illinois or a Penn State or a Rutgers or a team or a Northwestern who's struggling mightily this year. You're getting Nebraska, who's got some guys. They do. Roby can play. Palmer can play. They've got some guys on. Watson could play. He's been there forever. They've got some players. Copeland. Copeland, he had a bad night the other. Was it uh, against Maryland? He had a disappointment, but he's better than he's better than he yeah. looked against Maryland. Um, boy, I love those five thirty tips. By the way, and yeah. I, that was right in my wheelhouse <laughs> the other night. Um, anyways, it's 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 just a huge huge game for the Hawks if they fall to zero and four. If they fall to zero and four, and they might, um, they very easily could. What's the fan base going to be like? Give me, put your lick your finger, put in the air, and where you, where are they with Coach Fran McCaffrey? Who seemingly, you know, his his fate is almost. Um, I mean, it's decided, right? If they're zero Fortress, I can't think you can get there. I don't think you can dig out of it. I mean, he has shown absolutely nothing come Big Ten tournament time. I think he is two and nine in his career, three and nine in his career in the Big Ten tournament. Well, maybe they can make a run there. No, I mean, it just you can be hopeful, mm-hmm. but it's not realistic that it's going to happen suddenly after a decade on the job that. Oh, now they're going to be a really good tournament mm-hmm. team. But is the fan base starting to not McCaffrey fatigue? Are they, are they starting to get fed up? Are they? Yes. Do you do you feel like they want change if this season goes the way it's certainly trending at this point? As you know, Ken, in our years of working together, I, I've always been a big McCaffrey supporter. I, I believe people never realized the kind of crater that they were in nationally, how poorly the Iowa job was perceived, and to take the Iowa job and get him back and at least at a decent level, it was more difficult, I think, than people realize. But now that they're there, and now that you don't have those excuses anymore, nine years ago, mm-hmm. we're talking about Todd Licklider. That's plenty of time to dig out. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about the same things. We're talking about, I get frustrated with the two fouls, and you're automatically sitting. But did you see Cook came to his coach's defense? Yeah. Okay. I know, but Cook, that, that's thought, a Cook, positive. Thought, Cook thought it was the right thing that he should be sitting down. But you have that. You have the usage of timeouts, which doesn't frustrate me, but I know there are a lot of people out there that that frustrates. And regardless who the basketball coach is, there's always going to be things that frustrate you. I think as a fan, there are things that you see time in and time out, and if they don't go your way, you get annoyed by them. But that fatigue without the payoff, it's getting louder. Uh It's getting much louder. And I know Twitter is just a small, small sample size of the fan base. It was nasty last night, Trent. It was. The, The... the tenor that I heard was much different than I remember, even last year, as ugly as that was. Well, I think because the expectations last year were they were clearly through the roof. I mean, you and I got sucked in. I don't think we're alone. And they win four basketball games in conference. This year was going to be different. This year better be different. Well, this year's not different so far. No. Nope. And they lose Sunday their own four in conference play. Good luck getting out of this one. We'll take a timeout. Uh, we've got uh, Tom Cakert coming up. Dylan Montz is going to slide in here. Frank Schwab will finish out the hour as we will preview uh, the wild card games with Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com. Look forward to that. Paul Allen, uh, brought to us by Mr. Executive. Nick Athen will talk some Chiefs. We'll recap the Vikings. We'll pick PA's brain on how he sees these wild card games this weekend. Trent and I are here until noon. We're here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Taylor and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Dylan Bonds on Iowa State, Kansas. Coming up here in about eight minutes or so, Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. We'll preview Wild Card Weekend. But right now, let's get Tom Cakert in here. We will recap Purdue, but I'll start with a positive, Tom. And the positive, first of all, is it's good to talk to you again. And welcome back to KXNO. We're glad to be here, and we're glad you're able to join us uh, each and every Friday to talk some Hawks. How are you, Tom Cakert? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys, and it's good to be back with you. I've missed uh, missed talking with you for a while. Absolutely. Only been a month, but uh, here we go, and there'll be plenty of opportunities. And I want to start with positive, Tom, and I guess that's the football game, right? we got to go back to the Outback Bowl. We'll get to the basketball in a second, and we'll, you know, what went wrong last night, defense. <laughs> uh, probably a pretty easy answer, and we'll preview maybe a must-win game against Nebraska. But your biggest takeaway, Tom, from being in Tampa at the Outback Bowl, what was your biggest takeaway from the football game? From the game itself, it was just, um, boy, I think uh, a couple of things. One, Iowa just made the plays when they need to make them, and um, and that's a sign of a good team. I, I thought the defense played terrific, uh, forced turnovers, uh, and, you know, Mississippi State, you know, they were talking a lot of trash mm-hmm. during the week and just kind of bowing their chest out a little bit, and uh, you know, some of that showed up on the field with some of the kind of what I thought were silly mistakes that they made that, that proved to be costly to them in the game. Tom, uh, as you look, I know a lot of people are trying to equate this upcoming team to what happened back in 2008. Went to the Outback Bowl, beat South Carolina. A lot of close losses that season. And even with the difficult schedule in 2009, we know what happens. What, what would have to happen in your mind for Iowa to have that kind of special season next year? I'd probably start with T.J. Hawkins yes. coming back, Amani Hooker coming back, Anthony Nelson coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow Noah Fant didn't <laughs> talk back off uh, into coming back. Uh, it's probably too late for that now. I'm sure he's you know he's already signed with an agent, but um, that would help a lot because you know I think they're going to lose all those guys and all three and, of them, uh, Tom. Yeah, I think mm. I think that's the way it's trending. It might get an announcement from one of them today, so. Um, we'll see, uh, but that's kind of what we've heard is that maybe something might pop today with at least one of the players. Who's who, of uh, the three, Tom? And we'll let you finish. Your, I want you to finish your point, but just let me interrupt you. Yeah. Of the three, who do you think is really struggling with the decision? Who's who is you know maybe losing a little sleep at night over this? I think probably Nelson more than anybody, just because you look at that draft class of defensive linemen yeah. and it's. It's really deep, and there are more guys coming out. Uh, tight end you know, position too. There's a bunch of tight ends declaring. There, there are, but I, I think yeah, these guys um, are really good. I yeah. think TJ's got himself a pretty pretty firm yeah. spot in there, just based on his performance. Where you know, it's not like Anthony Nelson was a first team All American or a mm-hmm. first team All Conference guy. You know, he's a solid player, but um, with that crowded field and you know, guys from Clemson, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there'll be you know two or three guys from Alabama, and there's just, there's a lot of good defensive ends out there in this class, and I would really wrestle with it if I were Anthony Nelson, but I, I think he's you know leaning towards maybe making the jump. Tom, the ground game as a whole never really gained a bunch of traction this year. They had some performances, but it took a long time just for them to even get a 100-yard rusher this season, something that you expect a lot under Kirk Ferentz and the running game. 
what's going to be done? What kind of wrinkles do you envision maybe offensively they add to to help that run game? And secondly, with rivals and the way that you follow recruiting, tell us a little more about Tyler Goodson, the uh, youngster coming in from Georgia. Yeah, first thing with the run game, you know, I think it would help a couple things. You know, the the running back position was just, I don't think anybody, I mean, Sargent did at the end of the year kind of take hold of it, but mm-hmm. boy, I think Ivory Kelly Martin's probably their best guy when he's healthy, and he just wasn't healthy basically the entire year. And I think that hurt him. I think they need, uh, you know, Tim Polisek talked about this in the, uh, run up to the bowl game, the Iowa offensive line coach, and he, he said, compared uh, Tristan Wirfs to Clark Kent starting to rip off that shirt, and you can start to see the okay. F being exposed in the run game. And if he can get going and be just that dominant run guy, I think that's going to help too. He's been excellent in past, but he really hasn't unleashed in that run game. And if he can get that going, I think that's going to help him. They're going to be breaking in a new center, and it looks like it's probably going to be Tyler Lindebaum, who spent the whole year at the uh, defensive tackle position this year. Hmm. Uh, Tom, uh, back to Polisek for a second. How close was he, or, or was he at all, to North? going back to North Dakota State uh, when Klein took the uh, job at K-State? Was, was he close at all? Did they reach out, do you know? Uh, he, he told us that he just had kind of a, a little bit of a conversation but nothing no interview nothing like that they just he kind of reached out and they reached out and they talked briefly but it didn't seem like it really gained a whole lot of traction uh, at that and Trent talked about Tyler Goodson he's the kind of back that could come in and help him next mm-hmm. year he's cut more he's not Akron Wadley but he's more like Akron Wadley than any of the other backs that they have right now well, Tom, from football, we jump over to basketball. From and, the good to the bad. Yeah. I, I, it just it looks so much like last season out there, getting down big, not a much, bunch of effort inside defensively, guys getting to the rim whenever they wanted and open threes. It, it, it was a microcosm. What ailed them a year ago? Is it different? Or are we heading down the same path with Iowa basketball this year? You know, up until last night, I, I've felt it's been different this year and they've been better. Uh, but last night looked a lot like last year, and how much of that is Luca Garza being out? I don't know. Um, that's you know to be determined. But we you, know, you saw it in the Bryant game too, where they were just kind of lackluster on defense and not guarding really well, and guys kind of throwing up. Sh- I mean, there were some shots last night too that you're just like, okay, whatever. I mean, I, I <laughs> think of that that Ryan Klein almost like step back three. I mean, that guy's thrown in step back threes and there was a possession in the second half, I believe where Carson Edwards was being guarded great by Isaiah Moss who, who, you know, he did, he, he was doing everything right. Hand up, good stance, everything. Kid just throws in a three. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Um, Guys are making shots, but they got comfortable. They allowed Purdue to get comfortable last night and, they still don't have an answer for a guard like Edwards. Not many teams do, but they just don't have any way to slow a guard like that down. They just don't have a guard who can stay in front of people like that. Hmm. You know, Purdue, and there's got to be a lot of envy bunks, a lot of schools, because Purdue, to me, Tom, was really spinning their wheels. And I didn't think they were, other than Edwards, I didn't think they were really that good. Uh, but you can see the team coming together under Painter now, and that's what they're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to you know, kind of ratchet up before conference play, and Purdue certainly looked like a different basketball team last night. Well, let's fast forward to Sunday, Tom, because you know uh, Nebraska got picked off on the road uh, by Maryland on Wednesday night. It was a really entertaining 
entertaining basketball game. There's a lot of talent, as you know, on this Nebraska team. They don't want to drop two in a row. This is a must-win game for Iowa. This is a huge, huge spot at Carver-Hawkeye on Sunday afternoon. It is. When I looked at the beginning of uh, this return to the Big Ten, it felt like Iowa had to get two of three out of these first three, and now they've got to get they got to win back to back if they're going to have any any shot of it. And and you know you look at their road woes. Though. I mean, Mike Collins had that great stat. Yes, he did. Wow. I mean, geez, you know, eleven straight games <laughs> with that sort of deficit on the road. That's insane. It is. And if you can't win, if you can't pick off Rutgers or somebody like that on the road, you got no chance of getting a ten to, ten and ten this year in the conference, and then you're going to be, you know, struggling to uh, make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, pins and needles amongst the fan base, right? Whether they're going to get in or not. Well, uh, it's it's a huge spot. There's no question about that. Tom, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Great to reconnect with you. Look forward to doing this uh, well in this spot each and every Friday going forward as we've always done. Thank you, Tom Kakert. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Last look at the Hawkeyes. How about a last look at the Cyclones, shall we? It's Dylan Mons from the Ames Tribune. Kansas pays a visit. Iowa State coming off a road win over Oklahoma State. I don't care if Oklahoma State's the worst team. They beat them on the road, and uh, they're better for that. Um, but here comes Kansas. Dylan joins us. Dylan, Trenton, Ken. Happy Friday, Dylan Mons. How are you? Yeah, happy Friday, guys. I'm, I'm well, and it's, it's good to be with you. Good to be with you. Uh, basketball in a second. What are you hearing? I mean, I'm sure you're sick of answering the Montgomery Butler question, uh, but you're going to get asked until they make a decision, and so is Randy Peterson and Tommy Birch and everybody else. Chris Williams, all the fanatic folks that uh, that follow Iowa State Athletics, have you heard anything? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I've already had a couple people ask me this morning, but I, I get it. It's a big deal, but... Uh, really, it's kind of been quiet. Um, you know, the, I think the the consensus is that um, you know, right now at least, that they both could go. Uh, I think Montgomery, and we might have talked about this before, but just given his position and kind of the wear and tear that gets put on a running back's body, uh, if he gets a mid round evaluation, the third or fourth round, uh, you almost got to make the jump just to kind of preserve some longevity in your career. And, and Butler, I think, is maybe a little bit more of a toss up. Uh, I, I think he'd like to go. Uh, he does have his degree in hand, which is kind of an interesting little factor in all of this. But, um, you know, right now I, I'd probably lean toward both of them going, but it, it's really kind of been quiet on that front. And, um, you, you know, I, like I, I said the other day, it should be within the next week or so, but, um, you know, really haven't heard much uh, chatter or buzz from, from anybody in their camps. Will you hear, Dylan, sorry to interrupt you, Trent, will you hear um, guys that maybe put their name in just to get an evaluation? I mean, do do we hear, and I'll just I'll throw out the name Ray Lima. I don't know if he is or if he isn't, but if Ray Lima uh, goes to that board and says, well, you know what, where do you think I would be? Will we know that information? Do you know that, Dylan? Yeah, actually, uh, Matt Campbell was asked about that on signing day, I believe, what other guys were maybe going to, kind of uh, put their name in to get feedback. And he says they really try to do that with everybody that it makes sense with. Uh, I think he kind of, um, he's playing his, his his cards close to the vest at that time just to not, you know, probably play up um, too much of who else could be jumping because then that's, that's kind of what uh, everybody would be talking about. Oh, it's going to be Butler, um, Montgomery, Lima, you know, Marcel Spears, just mm-hmm. to throw out another name. He didn't want to get too many names kind of thrown out there to kind of take away from, from the team at that point, but I'd say next time, um, you know, I'll, I'm hoping to have a, a chance to meet with Matt Campbell here 
um, when they get back. All the coaches are, are gone right now with, with family and stuff. I, I'm hoping to get a chance to meet with them at some point when he gets back and hopefully have uh, a little bit more of an idea of, of what guys they're, they're kind of looking at to get that evaluation because it is important. Um, like, like for Team Butler last year, um, he, he got feedback and they told him to come back to school and, and here are the things you need to work on. It can work for other guys too. So it will be interesting to hear names, but I don't have any right now. Dylan, uh, we know Brock Purdy is the guy going forward. What does that mean for Real Mitchell, a, a guy that has some fun, fun characteristics to his game, can do some different things? Is something that's something they develop a package for? Is he slotted to become a slot wide receiver? What do you think the future is at Real Mitchell at Iowa State? Yeah, I, I think uh, for one, for Iowa State, you can never really have too many quarterbacks. I think as we. have We've learned over the last decade or so That's you true. want to have kind of that um, the, the chamber loaded, so to speak. But I think with him, uh, you kind of saw a little bit of a glimpse in the Alamo Bowl of, of maybe how they can use him. He was out there in some speed packages. Um, it, really, he was essentially a decoy in, in those couple plays that he was in there. And that's not to say he always will be because I think he'll get the ball and, and they'll be able to utilize some of the speed and his ability to hit the edge um, and really kind of turn it upfield. But uh, I think um, – you know, there are some interesting wrinkles in there, especially if you lose a guy like David Montgomery. If he, if Team Butler does decide to leave, you're going to need playmakers out on the field, and I think um, that's what they like about Real Mitchell. He's a guy that can go out and really kind of make something happen. So uh, Brock Purdy will be the guy, but that's not to say you won't be Real Mitchell. I think there will be a number of instances uh, in that blaze package is what they call it, that um, he'll be out there and be a contributor. Well, the Kansas Jayhawks are coming to town, and they'll be uh, at Hilton Coliseum. I think it's a 4 o'clock tip. It is ESPN2 has the game, 100.3 has the radio call, in case you can't be in front of your TV. Dylan, I watched uh, a lot of Oklahoma-Kansas the other night, flipping back and forth during commercials with Oklahoma State and Iowa State. They were playing at the same time. I'd seen Kansas and Michigan State uh, lift the lid on college basketball earlier in November. I'm still kind of on the fence about this Jayhawks team. They're certainly talented. I'm not sure, you know, if, if um, you know, Bill Self, if you got him in a quiet moment and asked if this is this point is, you know, where this team racks up um, against some of his other teams. They certainly got some guys uh, lost in the transfer from Memphis. It's terrific. Azubuke's back in the lineup. Vic's been there forever. They got some young guards, as they always do. Where are you on this Kansas team? Yeah, kind of the same boat. Obviously, they're talented, but they don't—they really don't have a guy like a Devontae Graham from years past, where you can just kind of um, know what their foundation is necessarily. And I think for Iowa State, the timing of getting them, uh, especially at home, I think is is what you would want. Um, you want to get them maybe early, where you can, as they're trying to figure stuff out, you can maybe kind of um, you know uh, rattle their cage a little bit because Iowa State, now that they have their full full roster back, I think. Uh, that, that kind of makes them a little bit more intriguing. Uh, you saw Lindell Wigginson against uh, Oklahoma State and his shot-making ability, um, how how much that changes what they can do offensively because I think that's kind of what they had been lacking early in the year. Um, you know, certainly Mario Shayok has, has kind of uh, – he was that guy early and came in uh, to conference play, I think, is the, the leading scorer among Big 12 players. But um, Lindell Wigginson is just a different dynamic. So I think if you're going to get Kansas – um, it's it's better to do it now while they're trying to figure mm-hmm. stuff out, and you're kind of um, maybe at your your at least numbers wise um, your your full roster. 
I saw one tent went up uh, at some point yesterday. Not all the students going to be there, though, right? Or maybe this gets them, you know, in the area back to, uh, back in onto campus a little bit earlier. It's sad that Kansas is, you know, this part of the schedule when students aren't back. But but maybe they will be, Dylan. Who knows? Yeah, I, I know some are going to be coming back early, but usually um, this this first game back before break, it's a it's a game like Texas or Texas Tech where it's. It's um, you know not to say that those aren't, aren't you know important. Obviously, in the Big Twelve, they're important, but um, it's usually not the biggest game. Right. So it, it's a little bit different of a dynamic. But um, I know there are students that are, are starting to come back a little bit, and you can uh, snatch up tickets there. But like you mentioned, there I know there's at least one ten, and probably a few more by now. We'll recap it on Monday with you, Dylan. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. You too. Yeah, good to talk to Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com. Read Dylan Montz, Travis Hines, the whole crew over there, AmesTrib.com. Frank Schwab coming up. You ready to talk some wild card weekend, TC? All Bears Eagles, right? Now, let me ask you this. Yes. Both of your, your, your Hawkeye basketball junkie. Yes. Your Bears junkie. More yeah. Iowa basketball, but yes. Yeah, but your Bears are your yes. team. Yes. They're both on at the same time. Yeah. What kind of give us a two TV setup? Two TV setup. Okay. Yes. What do you do in the as far as Condon fandom? Two and O Splitville. O and two. Where are you right now? Probably O and two. No, I knew you were. going You to know say my that. pessimistic nature. You really are. We'll talk to Frank Schwab next. YahooSports.com. He's their NFL. One of their NFL guys. We're glad to have him. We'll go around the Wild Card Weekend. Maybe some coaching stuff in the eleven o'clock hour. Uh, the voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, is going to be here. Sadly, the Vikings won't be here on Saturday or Sunday. Their season is over. We'll recap it with PA. We will talk to Nick Athen, Chiefs Insider on Twitter, ChiefsSplits.com to read Nick. Uh, we'll talk to him and get his uh, thoughts on who the Chiefs would rather see as they get set to host next week. Trent and I are here with you every Monday through Friday from noon until 2. We're glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Twenty-four hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is fourteen sixty KXNO. Hi, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon. Now I feel I'm officially all the way back, Trent. Thank you for playing uh, "Tumbling Dice" by the Rolling Stones. My favorite song. Of course, yeah, I appreciate that. Let's get Frank Schwab in here, shall we? We're going to go around the wild cards in just a second. YahooSports.com is where you can read Frank, and I highly recommend that you do. Frank, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Happy New Year, Frank Schwab. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Good to talk to you. What's of the coaching? I guess vacancies or coaching firings, if any, surprised you the most, Frank? Huh. Um, I don't know that any did, to, to be quite honest. Like, I maybe if I'm surprised by anything, it's that Mike Tomlin seems absolutely safe. I mean, maybe that changes. I don't know. But it just doesn't seem like there's any chatter out of Pittsburgh that he's remotely in danger of you know, losing his job after going 7-2-1 and missing the playoffs. As far as the guys who got fired, I, all of them made sense to me. Yeah, Steve Wilkes was a little surprising after one mm-hmm. year, but that team wasn't competitive. <laughs> it just it was a bad team. So it didn't shock me by any means. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of looked at, uh, at at all the firings and said, yeah, I get it. I, there was nobody who who really shocked me. Good or bad, I mean, even I don't think Mike Tomlin should lose his job necessarily because 
I look at this crop of candidates and say, well, okay, who are you going to hire? That's mm. the thing. It's, you know, for teams like the Redskins, the Panthers, who, the maybe even the Steelers, who we had questions about, is this coach on the hot seat or not? I'm sure they had to look around and say, well, who are you going to hire? Well, this crop of candidates, there's not one guy that stands out to me, and I'm sure that played into uh, played into all the decisions that were made uh, on Black Monday. Well, one more, and this guy, apparently John Harbaugh is safe, but there seems to be some, I don't know, some rumors, some whispers out there that, that maybe he's not going to be with Baltimore. Let's say they get beat this week and the Chargers pick him off. And maybe I'm saying this as a Bronco fan because, to your point, there's not a lot of coaches that you get real excited excited about i think he would be one of those guys do you think harbaugh's in play john i'm talking yeah in a trade i think that the fact that he didn't i guess reportedly sign his extension i mean that that kind of indicates that we have more to go with the story let's put it that way so i think that you know if a team like the broncos comes ahead and says hey we'll give you a I don't know what they would give, first and third, whatever. I don't even know what a good compensation for John Harbaugh would be. I, I think Ravens at that point would consider it. Uh, you know, they, they considered just firing this guy a year ago. I mean, Steve Bishotti, the, the owner there, was very open about, hey, yeah, I considered firing Harbaugh and decided not to. So if it seemed like, and I like John Harbaugh as a coach. I think he's a very good coach. I think that if a team like the Broncos or anybody, any of these eight openings, any of these teams come forward and say, "Hey, let's let's, let's talk trade. We'll, we'll we'll take Harbaugh. We like Harbaugh." I, I don't know why the Ravens wouldn't consider it at that point. Uh, I mean, it's it's especially if he won't if he won't sign his extension, that has to be on the table. I think he's he's pretty much the one. That's the one domino that could fall that would be very interesting. And again, it goes back to. There aren't enough candidates for these jobs. I, I think that when you, you know, John Harbaugh, if, if he were free somehow, he'd be by far the number one guy. So when you're the Broncos or whoever else, the Dolphins or whoever else would be interested in John Harbaugh, I think when you're looking around at the candidates of, you know, you got some college coaches and quarterback coaches and, and unproven coordinators, and you look and you say, can we get John Harbaugh for a couple draft picks? Well, that, that's better than what we had, the better than the options we have now. So we get ready for the games, and the Houston-Texas Invitational, as always, will kick things off. They welcome in Indianapolis. The biggest point total, though, of the weekend. You expecting to see a shootout here, Frank? No, not really. I think both of these defenses are good. We probably don't give them enough credit. I think that, that you know, it's not going to be 13-10 or anything. I'm just happy that finally this Saturday afternoon game is, is good. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's always been, I mean, and that's the way the NFL works, and I get it. The throwaway game, the worst of the four matchups is always the Saturday afternoon game, and you're right, it's usually the Houston Texans. <laughs> but this game is great. I mean, this is, one team has won 11-13, the other team has won 9-10. So I think we're going to get a really, really good game here. I, you know, I, whoever you, I've heard so many people talk about how hot the Colts are, how this team of football, and that's fair. They've won 9-10, but again, the Houston Texans have won 11-13, and their two losses are by five combined points. Mm. And one of those losses was a last-second loss at Philadelphia. So I think we're going to get a heck of a game. I think two good quarterbacks, two good, you know, just two good overall teams. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I think of anything else we are going to get, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of points, but I do think we're going to get a competitive game. Hmm. Note to self, take a closer look at that game, because I was all over the Colts. But you make some great points, Frank Schwab, one of the reasons we love having you on. Well, let's stay on Saturday, and let's go to uh, to Dallas, the... 
The Seahawks and the Cowboys. I, I you know, I don't give the Cowboys much of a chance in this game. I really don't. I like Seattle. I think he's a huge edge at quarterback. Prescott's good, but Wilson is better. How do you see this? When I'm on the right side, am I going down the right path? Do you think, as far as thinking Seattle, maybe not um, unbeatable, but certainly I, I think they're going to win. You know, I'm on the other side. I really do like the Cowboys, and I'll tell you why. I look at the Cowboys in a couple ways here. In the second half of the season, they were seven and one, and the one loss they they had to go to Indianapolis the week after beating the Eagles in overtime. When that was basically the NFC East championship game, and I, I knew the Cowboys were going to be flat in that game, and they were they were unbelievably flat. They were terrible against the Colts in that game. Every but if you give them a pass for that game, and I do. They've won every other one of their games since November 5th. I think Prescott's played better of late. Even not Russell Wilson. I'll give you that. But he has played better of late, especially since Amari Cooper. This team is 7-1 and one at home. The Titans' losses are only lost at home. The the Seahawks are 4-4 four and four on the road. They've always been a better home team than a road team. And we're seeing that there's been a, a lot, a huge gap uh, with some of these teams this year. More than any other I can remember about, of we're really, really good at home. We're bad on the road. There are a lot of teams we can point to like that, the Patriots being one of them, too. So I look at a Cowboys team that has a good defense. They they can stop the run, which the Seattle likes to do. They're really, really good at home. They've been really, really good in the second half. I don't have a reason to pick against the Cowboys. Let's put it that way. Like, uh, yeah, Russell Wilson might do the thing because he's great. I'm not saying the Cowboys are going to beat them 38-zip or anything, but when I'm picking between these two teams, I'm going to take the team that's you know seven and one in the second half and seven and one at home. I, I just have no reason to pick against them. I think they're legit. Mm, well, save the Bears for Trent uh, because he's a huge Bears fan. So on we go to Sunday, and we saw in Week 16 Baltimore travel across the country to LA to take on the Chargers. By the way, I was in Los Angeles, and everybody said that uh, you know all the locals were saying that this was the best Chargers crowd of the year. The Ravens fan of the visiting team struggled to get tickets, which had not been the case. As you well know, Chargers fans showed up in Week 16. Didn't help. Uh, Baltimore now hosts the Chargers. What is, is there an edge here that uh, they've seen? I mean, the Chargers defense has seen Lamar Jackson. They know what he's capable of doing. How do you see this one, Frank? And I think there's a good point to, to be made there that you know the Ravens definitely have benefited from the element of surprise. There's no other offense like the Ravens. There's just none. There's there's when you face the Ravens for the first time. On Monday, you come in and you basically say, we need to basically have a new scheme this week. We're, we're not used to seeing a team like this. Mm-hmm. It's unlike any, like, in eight starts, Lamar Jackson broke the record for quarterback carries in a season. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just, we don't see anything like this. And I'm not, without getting into the long-term viability of an offense like that, in the short term, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare to prepare for. I've compared it a hundred times to playing a service academy in college, where you just say, we don't see anything else like this. We're never going to see anything else like this again after this. What do we do? How do we defend this? Well, the Chargers did that two weeks ago. And I think facing a team a second time in that situation, I'm not saying it slows down Lamar Jackson because he's a great runner and, and, and they do a lot of creative things on offense to get, to get the running game going. But just knowing, okay, we don't have to, we don't have to really build a new scheme this week. We already know what we want to do. Here are the adjustments we're going to make. And I think they didn't do bad against Lamar Jackson in the first meeting. Lamar Jackson had a 27-yard run. In his other 12 carries, he had 12 yards. I mean, they did a pretty good job against him. So I do think that matters. But, you know, here's the thing. It's 
this speaks to how deep this playoff field is. I've never seen a deep 1-12 to like this, where you can make an argument for all 12 teams. I think the Chargers are the most talented team in the AFC, and they could they could go to a Super Bowl. Mm. I don't know that they win this weekend. <laughs> I mean, I, they're, they're playing a 10 a.m. Pacific time game, three time zones away, against a defense that held them to 10 yards or 10 points and 198 yards two weeks ago. I, I can make an argument for either side here. I think it's a great game. It's it's really fascinating. The Lamar Jackson angle really is. It makes it an interesting game. But I think whoever wins this game has a really good shot to win. That go to the Super Bowl. I really do. I think that the AFC is wide open and. I, I can make an argument that the Chargers are the most talented team and the Ravens are the most difficult to prepare for. It's it's rare to get a game like that in, in Wild Card Weekend. Anybody but the Patriots. Sorry, Trent. <laughs> well, I'm certainly hoping for the Bears. As a Bears fan, what should concern me most? Is it the magic of Nick Foles? Is it just the defensive front of the Eagles? As a Bears fan, where should the concern lie? I think the only concern would be the inconsistent offense. The, the offense, when it's good, is very good. But it has its days where you say, ooh, you know, this is maybe not that great. It's Mr. Trubisky's first playoff start, obviously, so that adds to that. I do think the Bears roll here. Maybe not roll, but I think they win fairly comfortably just because their defense is so good. Their defense is just fantastic. And, yeah, Nick Foles is on a nice run, and he can do that. He can get really white hot and play lights out for a while. So, who knows what's going to happen? But I look at that Bears defense and I say, how many points are the Eagles really going to score? Who's going to score for the Eagles in this game? Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, they're so good against the pass. They're they're just good. They're a good, sound, solid defense all the way around. And I just don't. I can't envision how the Eagles, who were six and seven three weeks ago, how they're going to score more than twenty-one points. I mean, I think they're probably going to be closer to ten, fourteen range. I mean, Mitch Trubisky and that offense doesn't have to do much. And then if the Bears do win, that just sets up. And look, mm. Bears-Rams is going to be one of the games of the playoffs. I mean, I, I'd i be looking forward to that one. So I think the Bears, of all the four games this week, the Bears are probably the safest bet. Mm. Well, your headline in your piece this morning at yahoosports.com, could this be the best wildcard weekend ever? Boy, I hope it is. Great uh, stuff as always, Frank. Thank you for what you do for us. We'll talk to you down the road. No doubt, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you, Frank Schwab. YahooSports.com Wildcard Weekend. Hour number two. Oh, we've got barbecue to give away at about 11.45. Thank you to Claxons. Paul Allen's going to be here. So is Nick Athen. Come on back. It's Miller and Condon, 1460. X and O.